The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences. If you are not an adult, please do not let your parents know you're listening to this, and don't repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please drink responsibly. Now that we have all that covered, let's start the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 314 of the podcast. Unless you're joining live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. If you want to catch the show live, subscribe on one or all of those channels. Turn on your notifications. So then your phone or your computer or whatever will let you know when the show is live. Like right now. Today is Monday, May 15th. Two days removed from... UFC Charlotte, one day removed from Mother's Day, which is why I didn't do the episode yesterday. Obviously, I was busy spending time with the family. Hope everybody had a wonderful Mother's Day full of flowers and love and barbecues and brunch and, you know, whatever else it is you guys do on Mother's Day. Hope everybody, if you don't live near your mom, hope everybody at least, uh, called mom and uh told you love her i uh i was fortunate this year my mom came into town uh came to visit and then we took a little a little long weekend to sarasota um it was cool because my parents flew in on thursday and uh wife and i decided to take a last minute kind of getaway they stayed here with my daughter and uh you know put her to bed on thursday and got her up ready for school on friday um and uh the wife wanted to go back to epcot (laughs) before our disney passes expire uh go one time without the kiddo um she was super excited to be here with grandma and grandpa because uh you know she doesn't get to see them that often i mean every few months or so um but she loves really she really loves spending time with them of course because they spoil the hell out of her uh (laughs) not that not that i don't or my wife doesn't spoil her my i mean my kid is definitely very spoiled but of course you know grandma and grandpa go over the top they get her you know whatever she wants and she knows it so she was more than happy to spend the night here with grandma and grandpa while mom and dad uh, took off. She was so excited when I told her. I said, would you care if mommy and daddy went away for the night, stayed at a hotel? Uh, you stay with grandma and grandpa? She's like, yeah. <laughs> so it's cool. It would be it would be hard to, to, to take a night away if she was going to be like upset or give him a hard time or anything like that. But, um, yeah, wife wanted to do a little Epcot trip without the little one so we could, uh, you know, really indulge in some adult beverages and go on the grown-up rides. We stayed at our favorite hotel, which is the Walt Disney World Swan. So shout-out to the Swan Hotel really one of our favorite spots to stay it's it's on the disney property but it's still like a marriott hotel 
So we get points and everything to stay there. And uh, it's located right in between Epcot and Hollywood Studios. So you could, you could walk to either one of those parks or they have like a little boat that'll take you there. So it was a perfect place to stay so we could, you know, walk to Epcot and then stumble back. You know, do a little drink around the world, have some good snacks, go on some rides. Um, it was a fun time. That's what she wanted to do for Mother's Day. So we took off and uh, and did that. Had a nice, nice uh, overnight date night, and uh, you know had some had some good drinks. We ordered some things that we normally don't, and you know. Normally, if you're responsible for a child, you got to, <laughs> you know, make sure you're not getting, make sure you're not getting hammered. You want to be a responsible parent, you know, especially if, if one of you has to drive back to a hotel or drive back to Tampa, um, you got to keep everything in moderation, but we're able to let loose a little bit. It was nice. Um, like I said, I got to stay at one of our favorite hotels. They actually have their own beer there called fins and feathers fins is spelled with a ph as in dolphins um because the theme of the hotel it's actually attached to another hotel called the dolphin so it's the swan and dolphin um so yeah they have a they have their own beer that you can only get there so i'm always excited to get it um it's like a like a pale ale. It's made locally somewhere here in Florida. I think Lakeland, Florida, I want to say. Um, but we did that and then uh, went into Epcot and, you know, got to do some rides that we don't normally get to do. Went on the Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster that they just built. I think it just opened like last year, maybe over the summer, something like that, or in the fall. It was pretty recently that it opened, but um, we haven't got to go on it because, you know, it's hard. Even if we do like they have like parent swap where one parent can go on, the other parent stays with the kid. But then, you know, you got to wait online for like an hour, even if you even if you buy like a fast pass. So uh, for without the kid, we're able to wait on the line, go on a ride. My wife liked it so much. And she's not even a big roller coaster person. She liked it so much. She wanted to go back in the morning the next day, go on it again. I don't know too much about Guardians of the Galaxy because I've never really seen the movies. I think I've seen like parts of the first one. I guess they're on like three or four now. So I was a little lost on the story. I thought there was like a little too much storytelling. They have like three different staging areas before you get on the ride. And it's telling all about how they have to evacuate you from some planet. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. I'm like, when, when do we get to go on the ride? It's like, you just go to another room and it's just another waiting area. And then you get to go on the ride. The ride's really cool. It's a pretty mild roller coaster, but it's like each car of the roller coaster can rotate to the right and left. So it kind of spins you around as you're going on the on the ride. And there's like giant screens throughout the whole ride. It's an indoor roller coaster. And there's like some giant monster that's trying to kill you. 
I, I couldn't tell you who he is because, like I said, I haven't seen the movies. But, yeah, the ride is cool. And, you know, the wife enjoyed it so much she wanted to go back the next day and go on it. Um, the downside for it is even if you buy, like, the Disney Fast Passes, they call them Lightning Lanes, you have to pay extra to go on that ride. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a ripoff, to be honest, but I guess – if you're only going to go every once in a blue moon, it's, it's cool. So we did that. And then, uh, the first night we went over to Hollywood studios also went on a couple of roller coasters over there did like tower of terror. And, uh, they have like a toy story roller coaster there. That's like the slinky dog. Still a little bit too intense for my daughter. So got to do that stuff. We had a good time, you know, act like a couple of kids. Um, go around, get drunk, go on roller coasters. It was, it was fun. Um, then we drove back from Orlando Friday. Basically stopped here at our house, picked up my parents and our daughter, and then we all drove to Sarasota, which is about an hour and 15 minutes south of here, maybe an hour and 20 minutes. Um, drove down there, got a little Airbnb for the weekend with a pool in the backyard. Uh, which my daughter loved. Um, and it, it was nice, nice, uh, relaxing weekend. Saturday night, my parents went out to see Tom Jones in concert because my mother is completely obsessed with Tom Jones since she was 19 years old. And I think she's gone to see him in concert like almost every year. Like she's seen him, she's seen him over 50 times in concert. So, we uh we got her the tickets for Mother's Day. Me and my sister and brother all chipped in, got her the tickets, and um, got the Airbnb to stay down there. And um, you know, I dropped them off at the show and then picked them up like they were teenagers again. Um, so it was fun. They had a great time. Said he puts on a great show. Eighty three years old. I think he's had two hip replacements. Apparently the guy could still move around. <laughs> so we can all hope to be in as good a shape as Tom Jones when we're in our eighties. We're always teasing my mom about, you know, how he's so old, you know, when he was, when he was young, they, the women all, all used to throw their panties on stage. Now people are throwing depends up there. Um, and we tease her all the time, but the truth is the guy is super talented. Like his, his voice is just unreal. Um, and I think he's worth like $300 million or something ridiculous like that. So he definitely doesn't need to be touring anymore, but you tell he's still just passionate about it. He just loves to perform and to sing. So, uh, got to respect that. I can't listen to his music though, because I grew up listening to it. It's like all my mother listens to. So I was forced to listen to it all the time. So I, it, it's just not my cup of tea, Jack. <laughs> can't listen to it anymore um i was actually i guess i got back to the arena a little early to to pick my parents up um so i was waiting in the car for them to come out and i guess he did like a two-hour show what we weren't expecting it to go that long they told me it was going to be like 90 minutes but then it started late and it was two hours long so i was actually sitting in my car for like an hour 
and um, I was basically able to watch the entire main card uh, of the UFC except for the main event. I think I watched every fight on the main card except the main event uh, while I was waiting for them to come out. Um, because it had aired earlier in the day, I was able to skip the commercials and skip the walkouts and, and stuff like that and, and just watch the fights. Um, <laughs> let's see. Mark Fellows watching from Vietnam <laughs> came here to boost the global rocks viewership. I, I don't know how many viewers we have in Vietnam. I guess we have one. Um, <laughs> he also says he was singing Tom Jones to his masseuse yesterday. All right. That sounds like, that sounds like good only fans content. Mark sounds like you're on your way to open an only fans. Um, in any case i hope you're enjoying your vacation buddy um vietnam sounds like an awesome place to go i would love to go sometime um i definitely want to make my way over there at some point uh from what i hear the food is incredible so definitely got to do that at some point so i'm in the car waiting for my parents to uh come out of the tom jones concert i watch most of the main card of the ufc and then when I got back to the Airbnb and watched the main event, and then I went back and watched the prelims after that. Um, so that's why I love I love these early cards. Like even if I don't get to watch them early, at least I can still watch it on Saturday night and and get to bed at a reasonable hour. Uh, I, I know I sound like such an old man, but and I know those of you in. Uh, in Europe and, and stuff have it the worst because you got to watch every card at like four or five in the morning. And I feel for you guys. I really do. But, um, you know, what can I say? I just love when the cards come on early. It's easier for me. It's more convenient. Um, so let's get into it. Shall we? Jalton Almeida. First round submission over Jairzinho Rosenstrike. Um, it was like, uh, man, Biggie Boy just, he just didn't seem to know what to do. Um, you know, he got his legs wrapped up. He just kind of collapsed to the ground, and he was just lost. Um, Almeida, you know, really took his time and and just slowly worked his way to the back. And found that choke, and he's just so good on the ground, man. He's th this guy's a problem in the heavyweight division. Um, what I would like to see is him tested against somebody who can wrestle because you know he had a nice double leg against Rosenstrike. I mean, he really just kind of folded his knees together, he wasn't met with any resistance. So, what's he gonna do if he gets in there with like a Curtis Blades who? you know, can keep the fight standing because he's got that wrestling background um, and, and those credentials. Or he could put Almeida on his back. I mean, I don't think he would want to, but he definitely has that ability. Maybe Almeida is like an old-school jiu-jitsu guy, doesn't have, you know, all the tools off of his back that he does from the top position. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't risk it. I think it would make sense. Put him in there with Curtis. Curtis coming off a loss. 
You know, Almeida's on the rise. He's probably ranked in the top 10 now after beating Rosenstrike. So um, it would be interesting to see what they do with him. Uh, Tom Aspinall would be a, a really fun fight down the line. Um, let me pull up the heavyweight rankings here. See, maybe they have them. I don't know if the rankings have been updated yet. They usually do it on Tuesday. So it's probably not updated yet. Let's see. Yeah, so they have Rosenstrike at nine. Yeah, they haven't updated it yet. Rosenstrike's nine. Almeida was 12 going into this. So he's going to break into the top 10. So if we look at this top 10, I don't see a lot of people giving him problems. There's there, there's not a lot of guys who can wrestle. I mean, if you give him Cyril Gan next, he's going to submit him. Um, I mean, Gan is pretty big, and, and he uses his range a lot better than Rosenstrike, but um, I feel like all Almeida would have to do is just close the distance, body lock him, drag him to the ground. Obviously, you have John Jones um, w- would be the worst matchup for him, um, but we're not ready for that. I don't know if John Jones will even still be fighting because he's talking about fighting Stipe and then retiring. So I don't know if John Jones will even be fighting by the time Almeida is ready for a title shot. Obviously, Stipe can wrestle. Same thing. Who knows how much longer he'll be around by the time Almeida is up that high. Tom Aspinall, I think, would be a really interesting fight because he's got some of the best jujitsu uh, in the division. So I would love to see those two uh, go at it and grapple. Um, Volkov would be interesting. You know, would he be able to get Volkov down because he's such a big dude? Um, if he could, he would be in trouble for sure. Sergey Spivak, another interesting one. Um, Marcin Taburo would be interesting as well, but. I have a feeling after tomorrow, Almeida is going to be ranked ahead of him. So we'll, we'll see what they do. <clears throat> and for Rosenstrike, I mean, all you got to do, if you're the UFC, all you got to do with him, his next fight is just give him somebody that's going to stand with him. You know? Uh, Blagoy even off, maybe. maybe. Um, Blagoy would probably stand with him for the most part. Um, definitely don't give him to another <laughs> a wrestler uh, right off the bat because Rosenstrike is still an exciting guy to watch. Um, you know, he's got good power. He's super technical with the striking. He just, man, once he once he got on his back foot against Almeida, he just he just couldn't recover, man. And and that's what a guy like that's what a grappler like this will do to people. You know, if you're not comfortable grappling, a lot of heavyweights aren't. You know, that's just the way it is. The, even looking at, at those top rankings. Now, I didn't even see Curtis Blades on here. Okay, yeah, he's number four. Yeah, a lot of heavyweights are not looking to grapple. You know, they're looking to just throw until somebody falls down, which is why the the current record for heavyweight title defenses is three. Because all these guys do is just knock each other out. Um, and you know, there, there hasn't been really a heavyweight that was just grappling everybody, um, to, to dominance. 
maybe Brock Lesnar, maybe Randy Couture, but they've been few and far between. You know, typically, historically, the heavyweights have just been the bangers, which is why people love watching them fight. But, man, you got to love seeing a guy like Almeida who just melts people with his grappling. I mean, it's not like it's not like he makes it boring. You know, he takes them down and then just systematically gets to the back and and does what he needs to do to win. So super impressed with Almeida. Um, I, I thought this fight would have been a little more competitive. I thought Rosenstrike would have given him a little more trouble than he did, but you know, Almeida is just just legit. Mark Fellows says Ty Tuivasa would submit Almeida in a drinking contest. He, he, he might be right. He might be right. Although you, you never know, man. These Brazilians might be like sneaky good drinkers. They're drinking that aguardiente down there, that devil water. Um, so who knows? Might he might be a sneaky good drinker? I don't. I don't know how well he can chug a beer out of a shoe, but <laughs> hey, I'd watch it. It sounds like more OnlyFans content. Um, co-main event, pretty one-sided fight. Johnny Walker, um, smart game plan, stayed patient, did what he had to do to get the win over Anthony Smith. Just used his range really well. Kept Anthony Smith at bay. Um, Anthony had his moments in this fight. You know, he landed some big shots, but he just had a hard time. I think he's not used to to actually being the smaller fighter in there. Um, I do listen to occasionally I listen to Michael Bisping's podcast, and Anthony Smith is usually on there as the co-host. And um, I heard him talking last week and saying how uh, he, he said, I feel like I can't lose to Johnny Walker. I feel like if I lose to Johnny Walker, then that's it. You know, I'm not going to be in title contention anymore. I can't consider myself a contender if I can't beat a guy like Johnny Walker. And then in the actual fight, he was doing some weird things. Like he started talking to Johnny Walker. He started yelling at him and saying, you're attacking my family. And I don't know what that was about. I don't know if he was like trying to hype himself up and make himself angry to, to pressure in the fight or if Johnny Walker had made some comments leading up to the fight about Anthony Smith's family. I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. Johnny Walker seemed just as confused as me uh, when Anthony Smith was yelling this stuff at him, but uh, it didn't really seem to help. Uh, I think I had, I think I had Johnny Walker win in the first and the third. Um, I may have given Anthony Smith a second or, you know, maybe it was a clean sweep for Johnny Walker. I mean, either way, it was a, a pretty clear-cut victory. Anthony Smith cut his gloves off at the end of the fight. Uh, looked like he was going to retire, which, you know, from the sound of the way he was talking on his podcast, uh, it it sounded like it sounded like if he couldn't beat Johnny Walker, he was going to retire. So he took the gloves off, but then Cormier never went over to interview him. So I don't know if like there was there was an issue with timing and production and they didn't have time to get to him or maybe he changed his mind or he didn't want to retire in that moment because he was emotional. I don't know what the story was, but you know, if that was a retirement fight for Anthony Smith, 
it'll really be a shame to see him go. Um, you know, I think he's only like 34 years old, which is not, not crazy old for a light heavyweight. Um, if he ever moved up to heavy, Oh yeah. 34 looks like he'll be 35 in July. So back to back losses, TKO loss to Magomed Ankoliev, and now the decision loss to Johnny Walker. Um, it, it would be a shame. I would like to see him stick around a little longer. Um, you know, he's a, he's a fun fighter to watch. Uh, he's usually entertaining fights. Uh, he's been at the top of the division for a long time. He's a really good analyst too. You know, I enjoy him, uh, like on the desk when, when he does his breakdowns, I like listening to the podcast he does with Michael Bisping. I don't listen to it regularly, but it's one of those ones. I'm sure most of you do that too. You go through all your regular podcasts that you listen to, and then you have a couple like, all right, if I have time this week, I'll put this one on. That's kind of what uh, the Bisping podcast is for me. I enjoy it. I like listening to it. I just don't always have time. You know, I have other podcast priorities that I have to get to. Like, obviously, all of you listening to this, your priorities are MMA on the rocks. And then whatever else you, you get to, if, if you get to it, right? You're like, I got to get my dose of over the top under the influence. And then, you know, whatever else I have time for is fine. It's great. I appreciate it, guys. Um, let's see. Ian Gary looked really good against Daniel Rodriguez, who I don't believe has been knocked out. Super tough guy. Gary looks really good. I mean, he's got an unusual body shape, body type for that weight class. He's super lanky and he uses it well. Um, and he set up that head kick um, really well. He was landing those kicks to the body against Rodriguez and was making him drop his hands. And then he kind of fainted the body kick. Rodriguez dropped the hand and he went up high, um, shin to the chin. It was clean. Um, and so Dan Mergliata had to come in and, and stop it. And then Ian Gary kind of disrespectfully calling out Neil Magny. He's like, I want the guy who's been a journeyman in this division. Um, you know, even if that's, even if it's true, it's like kind of a disrespectful way to call a guy out. But, you know, Neil Magny is never backing down from a fight. He, he never turns anybody down. He was looking to fight Kamzat Shemaev when nobody would fight that guy. You know, he was the only one raising his hand saying, I'll do it. So, uh, don't think you're going to call out Neil Magny and uh, and not get a response. I think it would be an interesting matchup. It would definitely be a step up in competition. You're going to be in there with a guy who can test your grappling, which we haven't really seen with Ian Gary yet. We've seen him. Uh, we've seen him face adversity. You know, we've seen him get hit, um, but we haven't seen a whole lot of his grappling yet. So. Uh, that would be an interesting matchup. I think it would be like a really good test for him. Obviously, the the kid's got star power. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of personality. He's got a ton of confidence. Um, you know, he's got all the makings of a superstar. But again, I was talking about this last week. I forget about what other welterweight I was talking about. Um, it, it's going to be interesting because the top of this 
division is very wrestling heavy. You know, aside from the champ, you know, you've got wrestlers row at the top of this division. You've got uh, Colby Covington. You've got Kamaru Usman, um, Gilbert Burns. Who else we got in here? Let's see. Bilal Muhammad. Chemayev is still in these rankings for some reason, even though he's – but, you know, if Chemayev is still there, you got Rachmanov who can wrestle. Um, so if he doesn't get the Neil Magny fight, Vicente Luque would be interesting. You got Sean Brady in the top ten who can wrestle his ass off. Um, Michelle Padilla and Ian Gary would be an interesting fight as well. Padilla is not going to wrestle him. Um, so, yeah, there's some fun fights for Ian Gary here. Um, but I, I would like to see him deal with a couple of wrestlers before he gets up to this top five. Because if, if he fights Neil Magny and wins, like pretty much going to be in the top ten now. So it'll be interesting to see. Let's see. Lane 99 says, My favorite MMA podcast live at a West Coast friendly time just made my evening. Thanks. Well, thank you, Lane. I always appreciate you tuning in. Glad uh glad it was a convenient time for you with uh with Mother's Day and everything. Had to push it back a day and then had to get it in tonight when I got home from the gym. So here we are. So cheers to you. Speaking of cheers, I'm thinking about doing a little bit of a detox myself. Um, let's see where these fights go. Clicked on the wrong tab here. Not that. Doing a little bit of detox. I was thinking maybe from Mother's Day to Father's Day, take it easy on the booze. Um, and, we, you know, we'll see how it goes. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be super disciplined about it, but, um, you know, definitely going to relax the drinking a little bit and uh, try and flush the organs, get some, get some water through, you know, maybe drop a couple pounds. We'll see. Uh, let's see. Matt Temple says, I don't know if it's been mentioned, but fun fact, Saturday was the highest attendance of any U.S. UFC event. I did not know that. Was it just like an extra large arena? that they were in. I didn't know Charlotte had like giant arenas, I guess they, they're eventually going to do one. I would think at like the Dallas Cowboys stadium. I I'm, I've heard mention of that for a while. If they do that. That place holds like a hundred thousand people or something. So I would imagine that would break that record because that, especially depending who the card is, they probably sell that place out. Carlos Olberg knocks out Eeyore Pateria uh, in the first round. Pateria was pressuring forward. Olberg off of his back foot lands a really nice check hook right behind the ear of Pateria, drops him. Um, it, when I first saw the fight, it looked like Pateria just changed levels and was diving for the legs of Olberg, but he was just dropping because he got clipped behind the ear. I couldn't see it at the first angle. 
Then they showed the replay. And Oberg, man, he's got that sneaky check hook that that he likes to catch people with. And when he does, he puts them out. So let's see. That's three knockouts in a row for uh, Ulberg. Four wins in a row in the UFC. Had a knockout loss to Kennedy and Zechiku in March of 2021. But, yeah, man, it, that's a guy who's who's just got some – he's got some thunder in that left hand. So it, it's dangerous if he touches you. Um. Yeah, good, great performance by him. And then catches, you know, adds another victim to that left hook, uh, <laughs> left hook list. Alex Morano submission victory over Tim Means. Um, this was a this was a fun fight. Morano made a lot of good adjustments. Uh, he was having a little bit of a hard time with the the range of Tim Means, but he kept listening to his corner. His corner kept telling him to circle to the left. Uh, and it was really helping. And then, um, you know, he just got that. He's just got one of those squeezes with the guillotine um, where he's able to, you know, once he snatches it on people. And the other thing is he adjusted it because Tim Means was about to pop his head out. And Murano was able to scoot his hips in closer uh, and readjust his grip. And that just made it even tighter. Um, so really you know, experienced, I don't want to say expert level, but really experienced move, Um, you know, where a lot of people, when they get the guillotine, a lot of MMA fighters, they tend to lean back with it. Um, And a lot of people early on in jujitsu as well, or or some people very experienced in jujitsu still tend to lean back with the guillotine, which I know I've talked about this a lot tends to open up your arm and actually gives people more space. Whereas if you crunch down um, and scoot your hips in closer, um, that's what really makes the the squeeze tighter. Um, So that's what Murano was able to do. He's got an excellent guillotine. He's caught a lot of people with it and uh, he caught Tim Means. So that's a, that's a good feather in his cap. All right, let's talk about Matt Brown. Uh, How do you not love this dude? Ties the record for most knockouts in UFC history. He's tied with Derek Lewis. Knocks out Court McGee. It wasn't the best situation for Court McGee. Uh, he got knocked out pretty bad in his last fight, and then he's coming into a fight with a guy who's got the second most knockouts in UFC history. Um, you know, Matt Brown was was picking his shots. Um, he was... He was trying to place that right hand. He noticed that Court McGee was dropping his left hand a little bit, uh, and he tried to time it. I think he threw it like two times before the one uh, that put him down and, uh, it, you know, was able to just catch him right on the right spot, put him out. You know, Matt Brown just always been a guy that has that power. And now he's, He's 43 years old, still knocking people out as a welterweight. That's pretty unreal. And it sounds like he doesn't want to stop. He said he he wants the record, wants the all-time knockout record. Uh it's gonna be interesting because you know Derek Lewis is still active and he, you know, even though he hasn't been having a good go of it lately, um, he still has the ability to knock people out um anytime he gets in there. 
So will Matt Brown be able to get the record? I don't know. It sounds like he damn sure wants to try. Um, you know, I guess as long as he's still feeling good and is he's, he's in good shape and, you know, he doesn't feel like he's getting beat up or punch drunk or anything like that. It was just going to keep going. Credit to him. You know, Matt Brown's always been a solid fighter with a lot of power. So let's see, man. I mean, I mean, I remember he was talking about retiring when he fought Diego Sanchez. All right. He was, all right. He's 42 years old. When did he fight Diego Sanchez? November 2017. That was supposed to be his retirement fight, but then he knocked Diego out uh, with that elbow, that nasty elbow knockout. And he was like, man, this feels too good. I'm going to keep going. And here we are six years later. He's still knocking dudes out. So, you know, credit to him. Hell, why not? He had that close decision loss to Brian Barberina. Um, in his last fight as well, which a lot of people thought he won. So, yeah, I mean, if he does like a fairly quick turnaround, he didn't take any damage in this fight. Um, yeah. Why not go for the record? Sure. I don't know what kind of favorable matchup they could give him, but um, let's see. I don't, I don't think anybody in the top 15, maybe Michelle Padilla, cause he would, he would stand with him. But other than that, I wouldn't I wouldn't give him a ranked opponent if you want to see him get that record. Uh let's see. Douglas Silva, DeAndraj, and Cody Stamen. This fight was frustrating. So this fight was a catch weight, so I guess one of them missed weight. Um in the first round, something really weird happened. I'm not familiar with this referee, Wayne Spinola, but um Kind of made some bad calls because in the first round, Cody Stamen lands a takedown on DeAndraj, and then he gets kicked in the face, and he looks at the referee. He's like, hey, you know, what the hell? So referee stands him up, and then and then he goes, okay, fight. <laughs> so you let the guy get kicked illegally in the face, and then you take away his position. Uh, this was a really bad call. Um, one of many really bad refereeing calls on the night. And I, I just don't understand. Like if you're going to separate them and you're not going to take a point, you got to let them start back on the ground again. You got to reset them in the same position. So I, I guess this was just an, a mistake, uh, from inexperienced refereeing, um, refereeing that is uh and yeah it shouldn't have happened personally i thought cody stamen won i gave him the third round he damn near knocked day on out uh you could say that was a 10-8 round and i thought the first round was close i thought cody stamen could have edged that one out um granted it was later in the night I'll admit I was a couple of whiskeys deep um, and I was also like watching this with my dad and we were kind of talking through it. But uh, from what I saw, I thought, you know, Cody Stamen could have edged out a decision. Uh, I was surprised when he lost, but I'd have to go back and rewatch it. 
in any case, unanimous decision for Douglas Silva de Andrade. So I guess all three judges uh, disagree with me, and I'm fine with that. Uh, Mandy Boehm, this was a weird fight. Uh, gets a technical decision over Ji Yeon Kim. So, all right, at the end of the first or the second round, Kim kicked Mandy Boehm after the bell. Mandy Boehm was on top. The bell rings. She goes to get off her, and then Kim takes a cheap shot. Here was the first mistake by the referee. Um, he lets them go back to their corners and get cornered throughout the entire minute break, and then he grabs Kim and deducts a point. This is a big mistake because if you're going to take a point, you have to take it on that in that moment because it's going to affect how the corner is going to corner their fighter. You know, if she just comes back to the corner and the point's not deducted, they're like, okay, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. But if they know ahead of time that the point was deducted, they have to change their strategy, right? Maybe they have to tell her to be a little more aggressive. Um, so you basically, you, you know, I, I'm not saying it was wrong to take the point, but you have to take it right away because now you're putting her at a disadvantage where she doesn't get to get cornered with that information. So that was a mistake. Then in the third round, uh, Kim knees Mandy while she's down, and I guess knees her in the eye, and Mandy looks at the referee and is like, hey, what's going on? Referee separates, has the doctor come in and look at Mandy Bohm, and she decided she didn't want to fight anymore, and she told the doctor she couldn't see. Nobody knows the truth but her, so I'm not I'm not going to criticize that. Um, it didn't seem that bad, but you know who knows with stuff with the eyes, you, you never know how bad it is. Only that, only only Mandy knows how bad it is. She says I can't see, so the referee could have disqualified Kim, but instead deducts another point and then the fight goes to the judges which is why it becomes a split this a, a technical decision because i guess because it had gone past because it had gone past two rounds um uh, when when the foul happened so it does go to the judges scorecards they score it for mandy bohm um because of the two point deductions it was it was weird um I don't know if it was like amateur night for the referees, but um, there, there was a lot of wacky decisions uh, being made inside the cage um, and very unfortunate. A fight that Wayne Spinola couldn't mess up was Brian Battle over Gabriel Green. Brian Battle with a 14-second knockout basically backs up to the cage and then just unleashes the power um, on Gabriel Green. Look, we know Brian Battle can crack. Um, of course we got to criticize him for missing weight. Uh, so this had to be 173 pound catch weight, but you know, on paper, he's always going to have a 14 second knockout. So, you know, that's awesome for him. And he did it in front of his, in front of his hometown crowd. Uh, he was, he was very emotional at the end of that. So, you know, good for him. 
And then in the first fight, Tainara Lisboza submits Jessica Rose Clark in the third round. This was like uh, Jessica was trying kind of desperately for the takedowns and then, uh, you know, winds up kind of dragging Lisboza down in the third round. And then Lisboza was able to uh, just kind of sneak around to her back and get the submission. <clears throat> so a uh, huge win for her. Pretty solid card overall. Uh, I enjoyed it. I uh, enjoyed most of it while I was sitting in the car waiting for my parents to come out at Tom Jones. Uh, <laughs> so there we have it. All right, folks. Before we get into previewing next week's card, let me do this real quick because I always do it at the end. If you want to grab some MMA on the Rocks merchandise, over the top, under the influence t-shirt, tank top, or hoodie, go ahead Visit our friends at Team Reaper. It's reaper1.co is the website. You can use the promo code MMAROCKS10. That's M-M-A-R-O-C-K-S-1-0. Save yourself 10% on your whole order, whether you are buying my merchandise or not. Um, I still want you guys to be able to uh, have the savings. So use the promo code even if you don't buy any of my stuff. I'm just going to use the money on alcohol anyway, full disclosure. But, um, yeah, they have great stuff on there. I own a, a bunch of their rash guards. Um, the rash guards are really cool. And then they have, you know, T-shirts from local fighters, um, professional fighters as well. Um, they, they sponsor, like, a few hundred fighters. So if you're one of these people that always says, um, you know, fighters should get paid more, you know, go ahead and put some money in their pockets so they can uh, buy some more organic food or grass-fed butter or whatever it is they need. I don't know. Um, in any case, let's take a look at next week, shall we? Um, and we're back in Vegas for UFC Fight Night 223, or it's UFC Vegas 70-something, I want to say. 73? I don't know. We have Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill. This is an interesting fight. Very interesting main event. Obviously, Mackenzie Dern has, you know, some of the best jujitsu, not just in the women's MMA, but in MMA. Her, her jujitsu is a super slick. Uh, Angela Hill, I did not realize, is 38 years old. Um, let's see. She's been submitted twice, uh, but I don't think recently at all. So let's see. Last time she was submitted was by Random Marcos in 2019. So it, I don't want to say it's a, it's a striker versus a grappler, but, you know, it's a striker versus a grappler. You know, Angela Hill has has great Muay Thai. Um, she has good takedown defense. Mackenzie Dern striking has progressed quite a bit. Um, she's not as wild as she was with the striking when she first started. Um, she's a lot more composed in there. Um, it, if she gets it to the ground, it's going to be a problem. Uh, you know, I don't care if Angela Hill hasn't been submitted in 
whatever, four years. Um, Mackenzie Dern's a problem for anybody on the ground. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she were to just pull guard in this fight. Um, although it would, it would suck to be underneath Angela Hill with those elbows she throws. Um, you know, like I said, she's got great Muay Thai. She's got good ground and pound. She's no slouch on the ground. Um, but it's just, you know, there's levels to grappling and Mackenzie Dern is levels ahead of most of these women. Um, and that's just the way it is. But, you know, Angela Hill, I'm sure, is well aware of that. And she's going to be prepared for it. So Mackenzie Dern coming off of a loss to Zhao Nan Yan, um, you know, who is about to fight for the title, supposedly. So, you know, no shame there. Um, Mackenzie Dern never been finished. So Angela Hill is going to have five rounds to uh, try and be the first to do it. I mean, she can definitely wear her out and possibly knock her out. But, uh, you know, we haven't seen anybody really come close yet. Co-main event, Edmund Shabazian versus Anthony Hernandez. That should be a pretty good slugfest. Um, <clears throat> really interesting middleweight matchup. Uh, Emily Ducati and Lupita Godinez. They're going to fight a 120-pound catch weight. Not really sure what's going on there. Uh, here's the one I'm looking forward to, folks. Andre Fialo and Joaquin Buckley. Uh, this one should be really a really good fight. Andre Fialo is super tough, great boxer. Uh, he's got a hell of a chin. But Joaquin Buckley is one of the most explosive strikers in this welterweight division. Um, so you got the the flashy, more explosive Buckley against, you know, the, the bite down on the mouthpiece boxing technician in Fialo. Um, I, I think it's a pretty safe bet. This one's not going to go to the ground. Um, really fun fight there. Then you got Mahashate Hayaser against Vyacheslav Borishev. I don't know if I got either of those names correct. I'm usually like at least in the ballpark, but man, that fight's going to be, uh, that, that fight's going to be a fun one for the, uh, commentators. I don't know who's, uh, I don't know who's commentating that one, but, uh, good luck. And we got Diego Ferreira and Michael Johnson. That should be a really fun fight as well. Michael Johnson been, been at it a long time. Always dangerous. Carolina Kovalkiewicz against uh, Vanessa Demopoulos. Vanessa, I think, is most famous for jumping into Joe Rogan's arms after a win. Um, and Carolina just uh, been having a real rough go of it lately. Let's see. Oh, no. She's got two straight wins. What am I talking about? Bill, you're drunk. Okay, so this is what I was still thinking about. These five losses in a row uh, dating back to fighting Jessica Andrade in 2018, and then she dropped her next four after that. Granted, if you look at the names here, Michelle Watterson, Alexa Grasso, Xiaonan Yan, and Jessica Penne, you know, it, that's a pretty tough schedule. 
but then she bounced back, submitted Felice Herrig in June last year, and then won a decision over Silvana Gomez Juarez. So, you know, she's still got a lot of work to do to climb back to where she was, um, you know, where she was fighting Ioana and Jacek for the title many moons ago. Um, I've always liked Carolina. She's, she has like a, she's got a sweetness or like an innocence to her. Um, that's just very likable. Uh, what else we got? Alir Latifi and Rodrigo Nascimento. Um, somebody's probably going to sleep in that fight. That's, that's going to be, that's going to be a slugfest. Chase Hooper getting in there with Nick Fiore. And we'll, we'll end it there. Pretty, you know, pretty fun card. Let's see, May 20th. I guess that one's going to be on our regular time next weekend. And then uh, after that, we're pretty much through May. We're <laughs> like looking at summertime already. This year is just kind of flying by, folks. All right. I guess uh, somewhat short show tonight. I don't think. Uh, I don't think there's anything major going on in the news unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about. Um, let's see. Yeah, all the headlines are pretty much uh, Jalton Almeida. I see uh, I see my boy Steamroll is getting a lot of shine this past week. He's popping up on podcasts all over the place. Every time I turn around, the dude's on another podcast. we got to get him back on here. In any case, uh, as always, I appreciate you guys uh, listening from wherever you are or watching, you know, whatever you happen to be doing, wherever you happen to be doing it. If you could take the time, leave the show a review uh, on whatever platform you happen to be using. It does help. Uh, the thumbs up help big time. Leaving comments on the videos help. Um, I've been trying to be better about posting the little short clips every week from the episodes. Um, it's just tough for me, not only to find the time, but also to, to watch video of myself for a long enough period of time to find a short clip uh, that works. Um, if anybody knows somebody that's, that's looking to get some uh, video editing experience as like an intern, uh, put them in touch. Uh, I, I could use somebody that could cut up some shorts for me every week. Uh, in any case, I appreciate you guys just listening. You don't have to do anything more than that. But if you do, I appreciate it even more. Thanks for tuning in. And that's all I got. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>